0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So the title of the talk is Amazing Grace. And I was um, inspired to uh, reflect and and share about this uh, topic after having a conversation with somebody that I've gotten to know in this this past year, um, who uh, shared with me her story. And it's a pretty... Interesting story. She is um, she's a woman in her um, late thirties now. She was um, I'll call her Rita for now. And um, Rita was the youngest of eight children. Her father. Um, was uh, an alcoholic uh, he and when she was uh, five he became uh, sober and remained sober but pretty um, rigid um, but her first five years that was that was a, a prominent um, element in their house her mother who who really cared about her family, uh, the the one way that she tried to make some order out of the chaos was to um, whip her children into shape. And uh, that was uh, with uh, a lot of corporal punishment, Uh, usually a a wooden spoon. and she was the youngest of the children. Sometimes it works out that the youngest, all the older children kind of blaze the trail, and when it gets to the the youngest, they, you know, they're they're not as um, as uh, subjected to the to the um, dysfunctional dynamics. But sometimes it can work the other way. And what happened in her case is that her, um, her siblings kind of passed on the accumulated violence that they were uh, subjected to. And she was actually um, the, the most targeted of, of all from the siblings. One particular brother. Um, Would, would really—that was his main pastime. Was was beating her up, um, and one particular sister uh, was more of a verbal abuse, and that was—and and, uh, Rita was the the focus of of that. And um, and it's I I. Asked her if this is okay to share her story. She said, "Yeah, absolutely." So I have permission to to share this. Um, at the uh, at the age of of fourteen, um, she was at a party with uh, with friends and with a, a boy that she uh, that she kind of liked, and uh, something very terrible happened. Uh, they were. In a, in a room, and everybody from the outside egged on, outside the door was egging on the, the boy to really get, uh, get it on with her, and, and um, she was raped, which then um, kind of sealed her reputation as an easy girl, and she was kind of rejected by her friends, Uh, many of her friends in her uh, and some of her family. Rita is uh, an amazing being. She's deeply spiritual. She somehow came through this fire and she has this light and radiance and that People are just drawn to her. She just, she, her heart is just so open, and she, um, she loves playing the banjo. She likes being silly. She loves having fun. She feels really good about who she is. She's gone through um, uh, lots of training and dealing with trauma, and she has a real gift and uh, she's like a healing energy field and helps people get through their own traumas and uh, loves more than anything to bring out the best in people and help them see their, their goodness and their love inside. And she's by far the healthiest mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, of all her siblings. Many of whom have a kind of not such easy time relating or um, feeling empathy. She has a good relationship with with most most of them. Um, And she said, as she was sharing her story, um, I wouldn't trade places with any of them. And that, uh, she says, who would have thought that I was the lucky one? That somehow, I got the best deal of all. Isn't that amazing? How does that happen? Uh -uh. How is it possible that um, some people, many people, encounter suffering and become bitter or stuck or pass on what they've received fearful, looking for the danger in the world, and traumatized in a very uh, wounding, wounding way. And other people can go through trauma, suffering, pain, And somehow, somehow, mysteriously, magically use their suffering or are graced to be able to have their suffering be a catalyst for awakening. And for it to bring out the best in that person's heart, somehow awakening what in Tibetan or Mahayana practices is called the bodhicitta, the seed of awakening that's waiting to be activated and drawn to really understand the mind and the heart and purify it, and as in Rita's case, do a lot of practice, just falling in love with the Dharma. Whether or not it's Buddhist though, just falling in love with, with life and a deeply, having a deeply spiritual dimension that puts everything else in perspective. This to me has always been one of the great mysteries of life. How Does that happen? Now, I just want to, um, lest you're hoping to get an answer, um, (laughs) I'm I'm not here to give you the real answer in the back of the book, but just to reflect on it, the Buddha did say, if you try to figure out how karma works, if you're looking at it through that lens, you'll, uh, it's one of the four uh, imponderables, one of the four things that will drive you crazy. Okay. <clears throat> now, you might be wondering what the other three are. <laughs> That's the fifth thing that will drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what the other three are just to... Uh, <laughs> satisfy your, your curiosity. Um, how karma works, the, um, how it all started, how this coming into existence, not your coming into existence, how existence came about, the beginning. What is the Big Bang anyway? What was before the Big Bang? Just how it happened, Um, The range of a mind in the deepest states of absorption and the range of a Buddha mind, just the capacity of the mind to see as, say, the Buddha would see. Those are the four imponderables. But one of them is the workings of karma, the intricate workings of karma. Now, on on one level, karma can be very simply stated that actions have consequences, or you know what goes around comes around, or as you sow, so shall you reap. And there is something certainly to see it on that level. Oh, you practice kindness, you become... your mind inclines towards greater kindness. You practice anger, you're inclining towards more anger. You practice... Uh, mindfulness, you incline towards more clarity and peace and ease. That's why we practice. But just why something happens and leads to one particular result as opposed to another, um, this is kind of um, beyond most people's comprehension. So there is this mystery that I have pondered many, many times. It just kind of got reawoken through uh, my conversation with, with Rita a number of months ago, but it still st- stayed with me. When I, when I think of how I got to be where I am, li- living the incredibly blessed life that I do, I, I pretty much pinch myself every day. How did that happen when I see how confused I was growing up and how much suffering I was in growing up? I've, I've shared that here a number of times. And when I think of the, the actions that I was involved with in my younger days, you know, I grew up in the 60s. And I walked through many a minefield, nonchalantly, casually, thinking, oh, everything is cool. You know. And I was very lucky, because some, some of my friends, uh, the mines not set off. And I did lots of crazy, weird things. As I've I've mentioned it here before, you know, when when you look back at your life and you just go, "Ooh, I can't believe I did that." Ooh, oh, and there's you have that cringing. Oh, cringing is good. It means you've changed somehow. You know? <laughs> if you didn't cringe and you just said, "Okay, that's how life is," you know, then it's, it gets a little dicey. But if there's a party that says, "Oh my," God, I can't believe I did that. You know, hopefully we're learning something along the way, and I've done a lot of cringing in my in my time when I look back at how things were. But then, when I see how things are now, um, cringing means pretty much that you don't want to cause those kinds of sufferings, harm to yourself or to others and you're, you're in the process of changing. Not that you're a saint all the time, but at least you know what direction you want to head in. And I should tell you something that you're probably aware of, that um, there's a price to pay for waking up. It's a heavy price. You can't pretend that you don't know anymore. You can't be living in ignorance, in blissful ignorance. But it starts to you start to wake up and say, "Hmm, gee, maybe I shouldn't do that after all." Oh, I did it again. Oh, oh, how can I keep on facing in the direction of greater harmony? So. Not that you're fully cooked, but even to face in the right direction, this is amazing grace. We we think of fame and fortune. So many people, you know, aspire to fame and fortune. That would really do it for me. Would you wanna have had Michael Jackson's life, Marilyn Monroe's life. You see that, My Week with Marilyn? Anyone see that movie? It was was a beautiful movie. And just so, it was so, my heart just went, I remember Marilyn Monroe. um, My heart just went out. He was this sweet, beautiful woman, which has its own incredibly challenging karma, to be that beautiful. And just the, the price of the pressure and the adulation, or the price of the pressure of having a lot of money, where people, you don't know why people are your friends. Um, and then you think of, I think of somebody like Aung San Su Kyi, who what, for how many years, 15 years, 18 years, and under house arrest? Or Nelson Mandela for 27 years in prison? And here they are, just inspirational figures. Which which life would you pick? Michael Jackson or Nelson Mandela? It's a kind of tricky call, because you're going to pay your dues in there. So just to make this a bit more personal, just look at your own life for a moment. Okay? You might close your eyes. And uh, as you just reflect on your life, look at the, or get in touch with the junctures at your life that could have led you in either direction. Maybe some traumas or some really heavy experiences or losses that could have embittered you, that could have closed you off to life, that somehow are part of your journey and here you are wanting, yearning for wisdom, clarity, goodness, compassion. That mysterious guiding system that somehow, somehow you've been graced to not have it turn you towards more contraction, but be a part of your opening. Hmm. And maybe as you're reflecting on it, just getting a sense of how that impacted you in its mysteriously positive way. without you figuring anything out, that somehow, it opened you in a particular way that was, that's been meaningful in your understanding the human experience, in your understanding of suffering, in your understanding of compassion. And as you reflect on that, just to, for a moment, open up to the grace or good karma with a grateful heart. Because it's clear, you weren't writing the script. It was just there, part of the hand you were dealt, part of the curriculum that was there for you to learn. And somehow, it was used well. And it could have gone another way. Hey, if you like, you can open your eyes. When I when I think of of this mystery, uh, what I uh, what I was also reflecting on was the uh, the blessing discourse, the Mangala Sutta, the blessing supreme. I've shared this from time to time here and the buddha goes through a number of different blessings some of which you might be familiar with or have experienced but there's there is a couple that are key in this discourse some of them i'll share to associate with the wise, with with the wise not the foolish to reside in a In a good location, to be well spoken and educated and trained and skilled in handicraft, to be diligent in virtuous practices, to be reverent and humble, content and grateful, to engage in a harmless occupation. These are all blessings supreme. But then as it goes on, as the discourse goes on, here's the two that seem to be particularly key, especially in light of, say, a story like Rita's. To hear the Dharma at the right time. This is a blessing supreme. And then, to discuss or practice the Dharma at the right time. This is a blessing supreme. And that's just before the ones to live simply and purely, to see the noble truths and realize freedom, awakening, nibbana. This is the blessing supreme. Because even if you've had unfortunate circumstances, even if you've uh, been uh, on the receiving end of some real trauma, if you somehow are exposed to the Dharma or whatever the spiritual tradition that is The analogy of the Dharma, um, teachings that truly liberate the heart. If you're fortunate enough to be exposed to, encounter teachings, and then have the opportunity to practice as well, then everything that's gone up, come up to that point in your life, is then part of your awakening process. The the integrating of the pain, or the, the suffering, or the confusion, or the trauma, is all then part of your bodhisattva training, where you can hear, and feel, and understand how it's possible to transform that suffering into compassion. But without that, We are confused, adrift, isolated. Unless we are fortunate enough to either encounter teachings or meet an inspiring mentor, friend, teacher who somehow turns us in the right direction. Not everybody has that good fortune. There's a teaching that I've mentioned here from time to time, one of my favorite teachings of the Buddhas, called uh, Transcendental, Dependent Aris- uh, um, Transcendental, Transcendental Dependent Arising, which starts out that suffering can be a causative factor for faith to arise. How many people have come to Dharma practice out of wanting to get some answers for their, the suffering in their life. Just raise your hand. That's how it works. It shakes us out of our complacency. So we start to say, okay, what is this all about anyway? What's it all about, Alfie? That was an old movie, great movie. What's it all about? And suffering then can lead to getting those answers and and being inspired to having some real faith in something beyond ourselves. Faith can be a causative factor for gladness to arise. Gladness can lead to joy. Joy can lead to contentment and peace and the highest freedom. But it doesn't necessarily have to. Suffering can be the causative factor for greed, hatred, and delusion, confusion, fear, suffering, more suffering. So, to somehow hear and practice the Dharma, to somehow set yourself in the right direction, amazing grace. In the, uh, in the Tibetan teachings particularly, it's also in the Theravadan teachings, but in the Tibetan teachings... There are called what are called four mind changers that when you really get the the impact of that of the understanding of these four aspects of life, you are deeply motivated to set your course in the right direction. One of them is really getting impermanence and death. That you have a limited time here. Okay, what are you going to do with it? Oh, how are you going to spend your life? A second is karma. Just seeing that as you practice in a particular way, if you're cultivating greed, hatred, and delusion, that will lead you towards more suffering and sorrow. And if you practice more opening the heart, and kindness, generosity, and wisdom, that will lead towards greater happiness. Once you kind of see, whoa, I have a choice here, not just in this moment, but it affects everything in my life. A third of these mind changers is what's called the defects of samsara. That is seeing, hmm, happiness isn't really what, we've been told, brings happiness. That getting more and getting all of our desires satisfied and uh, just the acquiring, this does not bring happiness. And that there is real suffering and sorrow in life, the first noble truth. And to see that you're not... That you go through life living, you know, kind of living blissfully, thinking, oh, isn't life always wonderful and it's always going to work out? Once you start seeing the defects in samsara, you're motivated to make the best use of your time here. And the fourth of these mind changers, which is particularly what this topic evokes for me, is called the realization of the preciousness of a human birth. How exceedingly rare it is to be born into this human birth. The the image in the the teachings is uh, it's rarer than a turtle surfacing from from the depths of the ocean once every hundred years the odds of a turtle coming up between a wooden yoke, kind of like a life, uh, uh, what do they call it, lifesaver uh, raft, going up and getting it in between that circle from the bottom of the ocean once every hundred years, it's rarer to be born a human. I think, whoa. I first heard that, I said, wait, that's a bit much, right? <laughs> Okay, come on now. But when you put it in context for how rare it is, here's, here's a, a fact that I first heard from Wes Nisker. Uh, he writes this in Buddha's Nature. Right now, in your mouth, there are more living organisms than there have been humans since the beginning of time. Try that one on for size. Pretty rare. Out of all the living beings, all the sentient beings that have been born on this planet, to be born a human is so amazingly rare. as mary oliver says what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life holy cow i'm alive and i have a mind and i have a body and i have a heart and i and it works it all works what are you going to do with that and then besides just being born human being born a human with Decent circumstances where you're not afraid that, you know, f- afraid for your life generally, or you'll have food on the table, or that you have some people who care in your life. How fortunate that your physical circumstances, for the most part, are pretty amazing. This crowd here living or coming to Berkeley, I think that's pretty good karma. Okay, But then on top of that to be exposed to the Dharma and practice and to have the inclination that somehow you heard that call and that you are drawn to practice like Rita was. That's amazing! Isn't that amazing? To take that for granted and say, oh, my life is so boring these days. You know, what, a, what a misperception. You have this amazing opportunity. And for me, when I reflect on that, how did, I, how did you get here? How did I get here? And what my life is, the, 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 the grace that my life is held in, It's both humbling, deeply humbling, because I don't know how that happened. I didn't write the script. It's humbling, and yet there's this um, joyful responsibility to do the most with it. I mean, if if you've got a choice between cultivating more greed, hatred, and delusion, or more Happiness, kindness, generosity, and love you know it would seem like a no brainer right but not everybody gets that and even i and I can forget from time to time you know how incredibly blessed and to to make use of this to really take refuge in the Dharma, which for me means that life is giving. You just what you need to wake up in every moment, if you can use it wisely, it doesn't matter what the circumstances, you can be the youngest of eight and be on the receiving end of a whole lot of awful stuff. But to use it wisely, to take refuge in the Dharma and say, okay, how can I use this to wake up? And to trust in life and to know that if you show up with a sincere heart and you have a commitment to face in the right direction, the more you can trust in that the way I see it, the more we can trust in it and the more we can have a heart filled with gratitude for it, the more life seems to support us. It just seems to be how it works. So that's really what I want to convey, both to feel the amazing blessing and to see that whatever is happening or has happened in your life is part of your perfect unfolding and to open to to it with, open to your life, open to life with a heart of tremendous gratitude. That's what refuge in the Dharma and in life is. Because then you can trust and surrender and show up as wisely and committedly as as you can. And then you're being used well and you will touch everybody else in your life. Amazing grace. So we have some time if there's any Comments, questions, or things you want to bring up from the talk or about practice? When you look at your life, if you did that exercise a little while ago, and you just see, oh, it could have gone this way or it could have gone that way, what comes up for you? Thanks. And put it right next to your lips, Uh, Ralph, right?
1: Next to my lips. Yes. James, I was thinking about cultivating gratitude. And uh, that's what come, came up for me as you were speaking. And in, in listening to you, uh, I'm having the experience of gratitude for your speaking. Mm-hmm. It's very easy, very easy to be warmed and filled with words that are so... Beautiful and but waking up in the morning into the terror again, Mm -hmm. or whenever it is that we feel it, yeah, it's much more difficult to remember. Um, I, of course, I know some of the answer to what I'm saying, but uh, which is, you know, you could stop at that moment and take a breath and notice. That's maybe all, all there is. But I would—I was wondering whether you might. I think you're
0: onto something there.
1: But it does take—you know—that's the uh, battle with these demons. I guess that's all it is. There must be something else. If you think
0: of this as a process of learning to wake up more and more, then it's an acknowledgement that when those demons are beseeching you, when you, when you, you know, get up in the morning and there they are, that you're just, you're lost in your own prison. And waking up is seeing, the bigger picture stopping taking a breath and the more you practice seeing oh this is just my mind creating a nightmare here not always of course there are nightmares that we all go through there's pain there's loss there's trauma there's things get scary but in the bigger picture what the practice does is create a context a wider perspective that holds what you're going through now with the understanding of impermanence, with the understanding of contraction and confusion leading to more dukkha, with the understanding that you can see clearly in any moment, but also with the understanding that this takes patience and time and commitment, and it doesn't happen over, overnight. And so, to really be kind and compassionate when you find yourself caught, and not hurry up the show, like I, we were talking out in, I think, last week, yeah, or the week before, embracing resistance, that that's part of the deal too. But to see you are heading towards more and more clarity. That's why the Buddha said, yeah, Let's start out with the fact there's suffering in life. He didn't sugarcoat it. And that the more you can understand and hold suffering with, some, with a wider perspective, the more you can come to the end of suffering. So what you said, you gave yourself the, your own perfect advice. And then there's lots of ways to support that Stopping, taking a breath, and seeing things in another perspective, like like-minded friends, like remembering you know, another perspective and being inspired by others, like having really uh, good commitment to integrity in your life, like doing what you can to show up and keep on learning. If you've got a commitment to keep on learning as much as you can, Then nothing is wasted, and you're absolutely right. Sometimes the demons are really strong, so not to pretend, you know, la di da, but to but to really take it with that heartfelt commitment to wake up. As long as you're facing in the right direction, that's for me the key. Anything else? One last, and back
2: there, thanks. Um, so I, I was struck, as you recounted the, the, the many blessings. That, Speak up just a bit. Um, that many in the audience share, mm-hmm. that I did share those blessings. That I, I don't fear for my safety. I don't, I'm not afraid I'm not going to get enough to eat. Mm-hmm. I, I do have precious friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fear that I find harder to avoid is the fear of falling short of who I want to be. Mm. I, I, I have a, 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 an idea somewhere mm-hmm. of who I'm supposed to be to mm. the world. Mm-hmm. And I've fallen short of it a lot in the past, and I may in the future. Mm -hmm. And I find that that fear impedes the sense of gratitude and peace, um, which actually, I believe, makes one more effective in in doing that. So there's kind of a paradox about it. And I, I haven't found a really good way to thread that needle. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank
0: you. Um, it's a very important point. <clears throat> and I think you're, you're seeing the, the, the conundrum that falling short of who you want, you would like to be, is the very thing that's keeping you falling short from who you want to be or who you are. So <clears throat> it's, f- it's interesting how having a vision of who you want to be can be tremendously inspiring or tremendously discouraging. It's exactly the same vision. It's just whether you take it personally that it's up to you to manifest it all Rather than it 's up to you to just show up as best you can and come from as sincere a place as you can and trust that life will keep on supporting you in that if you 're inspired rather than frustrated or discouraged it 's not up to you it's not there's not a race well am I there yet did I make it because first of all that is a that is coming back to a selfing, did I do it? Which is prescription for more suffering. And it's a misunderstanding that you're that you're doing it. Rather, if you get in touch with the sincerity of heart that's inspired by the vision, and just keep on showing up and growing and learning, and in that seeing that accepting how things are and accepting who you are right now is the enlightened heart. Not about who you'll be, but who am I now? And being the awareness that can hold it all, that's where the freedom is. And it's the same in this moment or when you become fully enlightened. Oh, this is how things are. Not to take it personally and to celebrate the goodness as it's coming through and to hold the hard stuff with compassion. That's the same process. So let the vision inspire you rather than discourage you. Let go of the report card and just know you're doing the best you can and facing in the right direction. Take it one moment at a time. Okay? Okay, so we have to stop, so let's just uh, a brief loving-kindness practice. Just feeling your own blessing in your life, all the blessings, how graced you are, and uh, just honor this precious human manifestation called you. It's never been here before, not quite like it is through you. It'll never be here again. What an important responsibility to see how life expresses itself so beautifully through you, or can. And then wish yourself, well, may I see the Buddha right inside and do what I can to help awaken fully. May I have a heart of gratitude, just appreciating the gift that I've been given of this precious human birth and learn to share my love well. and fully awaken and then to send that out from your heart to everyone here and all beings everywhere. May all see their true nature. May all appreciate the gift of the life they've been given. May all come to the highest happiness and peace. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere.
2: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.